Hello everyone, welcome back to the DMC podcast, hosted by myself, Joseph Cutler, and my good friend, Mamra Sidhu. Today we're joined by Ali Abdal, he's a productivity YouTuber, you know, influencer, all these great things that we aspire to be ourselves, and he's recently hit a million subscribers, so a massive thank you for being here, and congratulations on that as well, Ali. Thank you, I actually had no idea this was called a DMC podcast, that's a good name. It is, it is. Uh, stands for the Deep Meaningful Conversation, or more like. colloquially, the Deep Manny Chat, because that's where it all began with Manny. The, the Deep Manny Chat. Of course. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> yeah, awesome. So just to get going, I was going to say, because your YouTube career actually started when you used to vlog in Cambridge. Uh, so like, did your mates get you into it? Who kind of inspired you to start this journey? Um, I'd always wanted to be a YouTuber since like 2008. But I always thought I'd be like a music YouTuber. I love the idea of being like the next Kurt Hugo Schneider, who's like an amazing <laughs> YouTuber who produces covers of popular songs and he yeah. plays all the instruments and his friends are sick at singing. So I enjoyed music and I had friends who were sick at singing. So I, w- I always wanted to be a music YouTuber. And so I tried to, tried to dabble with that a little bit. But then when I was at university, I made this company to help kids get into med school. And as part of the marketing for that, I thought, hey, why don't I make videos about how to get into med school? And then maybe people will watch the videos and think I'm legit. And if they think I'm legit <laughs> enough, they'll sign up to my courses. And that's what happened, you know, for the first few weeks. And then I kind of, I discovered coincidentally around that time, I discovered Casey Neistat and realized that vlogging was a thing because I previously n- just not appreciated that it was a thing. Mm-hmm. And I kind of thought, huh, I'm making these videos for medical school applicants. Why don't I just vlog life as a Cambridge medical student? That's kind of cool. Yeah. And there's not many people, there's not many doctors in the UK vlogging about their lives. So maybe that would be kind of fun. So kind of, that was the origin story of, this might be kind of fun to do. And actually at the time, I kind of reasoned that, okay, you know, I actually want to vlog life as a doctor, but I've got another year of med school. So what I'll do is that in this year of med school, I will make loads and loads of videos so that by the time I become a doctor, then I'll be good at vlogging and editing. And then I'll be able to hit the ground running. But then it started to take off during med school. So <laughs> yeah. That's fine. Yeah. How did your mates react to it? Because that's something like, obviously, you're doing the vlogs and your mates not might not want to be in them. They might just be like, you know, what, just put the camera down, etc. Yeah. So some of my friends were like, oh, this is cool. Yeah, I want to be in camera, like blah, blah, blah. Some of my friends yeah. were, Ali, put the fucking camera away. <laughs> Ali, put the camera away. You, know, I I, you haven't got my consent. Um, right. Those same people later on were very keen on being in the video. So <laughs> jokes on them. Okay, okay. Damn, it sounds like it's interesting just seeing people's different reactions to it. Um, And of course, it's been quite a journey for you. Um, But just like a bit of a different question. Would you say, you know, starting this journey, obviously, you're now seen as sort of a figure to quite a few people as being a figurehead and having good, presumably having good mental health to to them, it appears. Would you say that's improved for you? Or has it still got a way to go in your personal career, like your mental stability and everything like that? Oh, I'm very lucky. I've never had any mental issues at all. So <laughs> I feel like I'm very tranquil generally. And I also yeah. don't care about most things. So I, <laughs> there's very little that like phases me emotionally. Damn, that's interesting. Um, and we also, you know, after following your stuff for a while, we saw the concept that we've never really heard of called the serendipity vehicle. Oh, uh, yeah. which is something really interesting to us. Um, would you able to talk about how this like has affected your own life and like how you've utilized it in your personal life? Yeah, so I'm really annoyed that I didn't come up with the terminology myself because it's oh. like the perfect description. Uh, I read it on someone's blog post and I was right. like, damn, I should have come up with that. Um, the idea is that basically, <laughs> the idea is that you kind of want to put yourself out there because let's use an extreme example. Let's say you're sitting in your village and you only ever venture outside of your village. 
uh, and or, or rather you never venture outside of your village. The only people you're ever going to come into contact with are people in your village. Mm-hmm. And therefore, you actually don't have a lot of opportunities for serendipitous or lucky breaks to happen. You're unlikely to, to meet someone who's suddenly going to change your life unless you uh, unless it just so happens that the person you end up marrying is also in that village or you happen to go to the job inside that village. Like it's 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 unlikely that you're going to meet you know you're going to meet very many people just living in your village um most kind of successful people famously successful people would say that um within their career they had all these lucky breaks kind of right place at the right time mm-hmm. um and they won't be able to recreate that because they kind of got lucky and they uh, appreciate luck as a factor in their success so one of the challenges then is recognizing that luck plays a bit plays a big part in success how do we manufacture luck and one way of manufacturing luck is by increasing our own surface area for lucky events to strike. Okay. For example, let's say you venture outside of your village and once a week you visit the neighboring village. Now all of a sudden you're meeting twice as many people and therefore you basically have twice as many opportunities for lucky events to happen, to meet the right person, right place, right time, right business opportunity, right romantic interest, whatever. Let's say you visit three villages <laughs> twice a year, you know, twice a week. You're now tripling your surface area. Um, and kind of following this to its logical conclusion, uh, it kind of leads us to say that we should put ourselves out there online. Mm-hmm. You have, for example, you know, if you're active on Twitter and you connect with people that way, if you're active on YouTube, podcast, whatever, you're connecting with people all across the world, you're really expanding your circle beyond your village. And the idea of a serendipity vehicle is that it's, it's a vehicle that, in, that promotes serendipity, that promotes these lucky events. Uh, and so a serendipity vehicle would be something like a blog or a YouTube channel or even a podcast um, or a popular Twitter profile. It's something that is working for you even while you are sleeping because, and, and even while you're sleeping, even while you're asleep, people are discovering your work. They're discovering your work and then potentially they're reaching out to you and because they want to be friends, they want to offer a business opportunity, they want to get married to you. You're massively increasing your surface area for serendipity. So putting out content on the internet is effectively the short form for a serendipity vehicle. And how have you been able to like, what have you seen from that, these opportunities by putting yourself out online? Like, can you just give any examples that you're thinking to yourself, damn, if I didn't do this, this would never have happened. Oh, basically like <laughs> my, my entire life, my entire life <laughs> is yeah. a result of me putting out the, myself out there online. Earlier today, I was, I had two other podcast recordings. I met four people who came to Cambridge just to hang out with me. I was a mentor on a live Zoom call for 300 people from all around the world wow. uh, who are all probably like older <laughs> than me and you know some like cons- management consultants some software developers some CEOs all trying to learn from me about how I you know have a systematic and effortless process for, for creating content because they want to create their own content yeah. I'm now talking to you guys like basically every single thing I've done this last month <laughs> has been as a result of me putting myself out there online and not a single one of these situations would have happened had it not been for the fact that I put myself out there online that's crazy man Do you ever like take a moment to obviously slow down and take it all in? Like just you said, the 300 people and all these CEOs and stuff. Do you ever realize how has it come to this? Uh, I try not to because I feel like (laughs) I I try to not think in any kind of bill. I I kind of think, yeah, I I appreciate it. I think that's kind of cool. Yeah. But I think beyond that's kind of cool. I try not to have any emotional response to it because in a way, I don't want to think in a way that encourages myself to kind of self-congratulate be like hey Ali, you're a pretty big deal you uh <laughs> i feel like that's just never a helpful thing to think um but it's nice to be grateful for it and to be like oh this, this is kind of cool yeah and like it's also i feel like something that plays a massive factor is 
family in the kind of concept where it's like doing stuff family sometimes they might not want you to put yourself out online and so the serendipity vehicle kind of is not effectively going to be there if your family don't want you there but it's quite interesting that you and your brother actually have a podcast together and like how how's your brother influenced you or how have you influenced your brother and how's your family been receiving this kind of stuff that you used to do and now yeah basically the trick is to just not ask for permission and just do it anyway wow okay very ballsy well no it's, it's got to be done man <laughs> fair enough fair enough I, no. I think it also helps that uh, if, for, for example if i was 12 uh, and trying to start a youtube channel my mum would be like hell no you're not starting a youtube channel it's dangerous to give your full name out online <laughs> yeah because i was 24 when i started a youtube yes. channel it's less of a big deal like you know um yeah so i think family being concerned about putting myself out there online is not a valid concern unless your family is literally ruling you with an iron fist and you you are under their roof and have to abide by their ridiculous rules that oh my god it's still it's still 2001 someone might steal your identity (laughs) if you use your real name online yeah that aside i get um, you on the on the podcast issue yeah i think my brother's great because he seemed he has a lot of original insights and i feel i have zero original insights i just kind of copy other people's stuff and try and remix it in my own way sometimes um so i learn a lot from him about kind of observing the world more and trying to come up with my own insights rather than thinking like if if someone asks me a question usually i run a search function in my head of all the books i've read and all the different people i can quote that will will answer that question i wouldn't think to give my own answer and that's something i'm trying to work on Mm-hmm. being more original or something like that because obviously you know you're a very well-read person you know you obviously do your research in most things it seems at least your medicine all that stuff but we say like coming up with original stuff is something you want to try and develop and things like that oh yeah absolutely i mean a part of me thinks originality is a complete myth because <laughs> you know every idea has come from somewhere it's sparked from from something but i think my brother does a good job of thinking harder about things from first principles rather than immediately going to an expert source and then imbibing their knowledge and um, your podcast is called Not Overthinking, right? Where did the, uh, the name come from? Is there like a backstory behind it? Did you find yourself that you were overthinking a lot and you wanted to pay homage to that? Um, kind of. So we always wanted to do it talking about like, you know, the idea was that it's a podcast about overthinking. <laughs> overthinking stuff that people should overthink more, like, you know, how to be a better friend and what makes a good social interaction and what makes an awkward silence and, and stuff like that. And... We called it not overthinking uh, because the idea was that, well, it's actually not overthinking to overthink about this stuff. It's actually something that everyone should do. Uh, oh, interesting. Notoverthinking.com was available. And so we were like, right, there it is. <laughs> it's so hard to find a .com that's available for anything else. So the name stuck. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. And it's great, like two guys, especially that are trying to normalize these kind of ideas and concepts because um, we're quite fortunate that we have these conversations in friendship groups, but I know that for many people, this isn't really a common thing. And it's awesome that you've got a podcast that like promotes that kind of thing. And have you seen like any dividends from like the people around you or uh, other people saying to you, you know what, that really has made a massive difference to my life. Yeah, no, it's been good. We get a lot of emails from people being like, Oh my God, these, these are the conversations I would want to have with my friends, but that yeah. my friends just aren't into overthinking about this stuff. Also like in- increasingly now, um, like, you know, the last two times I got recognized on the streets, it was someone saying, I love your podcast rather than I love wow. your video. And that's, what I was like, that's huh, crazy. interesting. People actually listen to the podcast. It's always very flattering <laughs> when that's the case. 
Yeah, I know well, a lot of people picked up podcasts over lockdown, to be honest. I know I picked mm. up quite a few as well. So maybe had a bit of boom from that. Or has it always been like that's been the main thing to recognize for? Oh, no, it's always been the videos in the past. Ah, fair. Podcasts yeah. are the relatively new invention. Really? Yeah. And um, just, you know, based on the, the title itself, not overthinking, do you have any like quick little tips on how to not overthink? Because that's not actually anything Manny and I have covered yet in all of our topics about overthinking. Oh, it's not a podcast about not overthinking. It's like specifically a podcast about overthinking, but we called it not overthinking, <laughs> ironically. Right. <laughs> so Fair absolutely enough. no tips in that regard. <laughs> I'll be honest, I'm a, I'm a massive overthinker and that's probably why it stemmed why we do this podcast. Like nice. there's just things where I believe that we need to speak about. And I'm all, like you, I said earlier, you and your brother do that really well. And it's, it's kind of funny where like, do you feel like your fame and like what you've got to is like, like you said, you don't really want to like have an emotional response, but do you really think to yourself, you know what, I'm actually making a massive difference and I've got a massive uh, impact on other people's lives? Uh, no, I'm, I'm, I never think that. Uh, again, that's too, it feels too much like patting myself on my own shoulder, which I, I am always loath to do. <laughs> uh, uh, but, yeah. Why, why do you think that was the case? Is it from like childhood, you never really like took credit for stuff or do you feel like you just over time, you're like, you know what, it's not really as important as other things is going on? Hmm. I think generally there's a big part of me that's, that recognizes the role of luck and the role of circumstance. And, you know, I was dealt a good hand at birth. My mum raised us pretty well. I didn't squander the hand that I was dealt. Um, I basically have no, I, I feel like I can't take credit personally for any successes, but I feel like also the general idea of someone taking credit for their own success, it, it just, it just feels a bit, it's a bit much. And also what's, what's the point? Like, I mean, like, Hey, well done. You're a big deal. Like, what purpose does that serve to me, to anyone else? It's such a, in my opinion, like a pointless way to even think. And so I just try not to think that way. It would be like, you know, like when I crossed to a million subscribers, um, and you know, obviously it does not change anything in the slightest. It's just a number. Yeah. And people are like, Oh, how does it feel? Like, it's sort of like when you turn, it, when you turn, is that when you turn it, for, uh, it doesn't eight, actually feel yeah. any different to 16 and 364 yeah. days. It, it's, I don't, it's, you know, your life is the same. You don't care. It's just a number. Yeah. I saw your post. You went shopping to celebrate your million subscriber special. So, you know, that really shows, to be honest, you did your little trip trip to the shops, which is Exactly, mate. Indicative. ordered a Pizza Express for takeaway. Um, Oof, beautiful. But I've, you know, ordered one tonight as well. So uh, it's, <laughs> it's, it's just a day in the life. Why haven't you Gymshark Alley? What's going on there? Like, ordering takeout. Gymshark oh, Alley? We're, we're, in, we're in bulk mode. Oh, okay. okay. Obviously, you know, okay. you've got to... You're going to you know, add on the calories. <laughs> I can respect that. I can respect that. Just trying to make sure you're on top game. No, but man, yeah. I appreciate that. I appreciate you looking out for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but just going to like what you do in terms of you medicine, what tips would you give to someone who's an aspiring young individual who wants to consider doing medicine because they genuinely enjoy it? Uh, yeah, do it. It's fun. Get good <laughs> grades. If you get good grades, getting into med school is easy. If you get bad grades, getting into med school is hard. Yeah. Fair enough. Do you think there's something like, yeah, I was going to say, but in terms of, do you think anything important that you've learned during med school that you're like, you know what, if I told younger Ali, then maybe he would have actually taken it a bit more seriously or like would have thought it was more important at the time? I think I did a pretty good job of not taking it too seriously. I think the problem is when people take it too seriously. uh, And I think friends of mine uh, over time have developed more of a growth mindset. Like I I know a few people who are very scared to put their hand up in lectures and ask a question because, oh, what if I look stupid? What if people mm. think I'm dumb? Yeah, definitely. Um, over time, you realize that no one actually cares about you. <laughs> Everyone is way too busy worrying about themselves and 
Kind yeah. of the more the earlier you can develop a growth mindset, the more everything just becomes more fun and more chill. Yeah, that 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 mindset. To be honest, I I used to be a really you know reserved guy and a bit like lacking confidence. But as soon as I realized that, like people think more about themselves than you, it's yeah. allowed me to not worry about it as much. And it's just such a healthy approach, I'd say. Exactly. It's like I guess with you guys starting this podcast, you think, oh crap, what are our friends going to think? Your friends don't give a toss. They're too busy <laughs> worrying about their own lives. You got a podcast. Cool. No one cares. <laughs> it's fine. No, they're just, yeah, people are just doing their own grind, to be fair. We're yeah. just doing it. We're, we're doing this podcast because we want to do it and we enjoy it. And that's what matters. Exactly. Exactly. And I remember okay. Manny and I were talking yeah. about like um, mindset and stuff like that and studying. And we take two very differing approaches. Whereas I studied to an extent where if I'm no longer happy with the amount of study I'm doing, I stop because I'm no longer happy doing that. Whereas mm. Manny just grinds it out and knows that it's better in the long run. What do you think is a healthier approach or does it vary from person to person? Yeah, I think it depends on what you're optimizing for. Um, a, a thing I always like to ask myself is, what's the game that I'm playing? And what are the victory conditions of that game? Am I playing the game of trying to rank first in the year group? Mm, maybe I am. Maybe I'm not. And, 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 and if that's the case, then okay, cool. <laughs> Let me grind it out because that's, that's the game I've chosen to play. If I'm playing the game of actually I, quite, I want to enjoy my life and I want to get through med school and I don't really care about optimizing for every percentage point, then, you know, if I'm not happy studying, then I'll stop studying and come back to it. It, it, it depends on what game you're playing. Fair um, enough. In yeah, in terms of talking about games, like, do you use gamification a lot in terms of making decisions or like how you go about your life? Yeah, I think, life, I think there's so many different circumstances in which life is better viewed as a video game uh, or a board game. And so there's yeah. all, 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 all kind of different ways <laughs> in which I use the game analogy. Um, one that comes to mind is about you know, exams. Uh, if you treat exams as... Uh, have, you, have you guys ever played World of Warcraft? Yeah, no, yeah back I in the day. I've never oh, played nice. it. I don't know what it's about. <laughs> I always got the but, free trial. It was £100 a year. I couldn't afford that. But... Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was like kind of £8 a month if you consider it on a monthly basis. I was it seven, sounds, man. Sounds I didn't have £8 a month. <laughs> But yeah, I was I was big into World of Warcraft back in the day. I'm, I'm going to resume in November when the new expansion pack comes out. But that's by, by the by. Um, in World of Warcraft, when you when you get to, well, like you know, as as you're going along, you team up with other other people and you go on a five party mission to a dungeon or a twenty man mission to a raid. And the idea is that you're all working together to fight this boss. Um, within that, you know, if you're a damage dealer, you're sort of having this friendly competition with other people about, you know, I want to deal. Who can, who can get the highest DPS damage per second? Being, I'm a warlock, so I want to get 20,000 DPS. You're a rogue. Oh, how are you getting 21,000? But ultimately, you're all working to take down the boss. Yeah. Within the group as well, you also have tanks and healers whose job it is to kind of support the group. The healers are healing everyone up. Yeah. But they're still kind of taking down the boss, but they're doing it by healing everyone up. And I think exams are kind of like that because you're, you're working together with your friends to take down the boss. The boss is the exam. You're, you're in friendly competition with, with your mates about who can deal the most damage, about who can get the highest percentage. But you're not True. beating yourself up, oh shit, that rogue got a bit more DPS than I did. But also within your group, you have people who are the healers who actually do not give a toss about getting high marks. They just want to kind of support the rest of the group. And I certainly had one or two friends who are more in that pastoral capacity where we're all working together and sort of they probably going to get less good marks, but they don't care. What they care about is supporting the group and having a nice experience. So that's kind of how I view exams. I think the video game example oh, helps reduce yeah, the anxiety for those. That's perfect. That's a really good example. Yeah, because I like even just speaking about that, I was trying to think of my role in the situation. I kind of think myself as a healer for that. Um, did you like place yourself in any sort of specific role you used to have, or just does it vary again? Oh, I was a damage dealer, but yeah. <laughs> always um, aiming in for friendly top, competition top. with my friends to see who can get the highest mark. Respect. What about you, Manon? And 
I, don't I think, think I'm in, I'm in the SEO route. I kind of was on my own, kind of did my own thing, and then oh, saw what happened. But if someone needed help, then I was always there to provide that support. Yeah, that is. Um, and, you know, given, you know, sometimes you're seen as a support for, by your fans and seen as an outlet for good, but do you ever feel a certain pressure to put out quality content? Do you ever look over stuff and be like, this isn't quite where I want it to be? Do you retake it or do you just put it out or do you not really mind anymore? Uh, good question. I sort of have, I try to have a very low bar for what I put out on YouTube. Um, I, try and, I try to be okay with shit posting on YouTube like I would be on Twitter. Um, like on Twitter, I'd be okay with saying, tweeting lol having a poo right now <laughs> just, just take a piss and nice, i nice, am nice, trying nice. to get okay with doing the equivalent on youtube um so a couple of weeks ago i made a video called how i watch tv productively yeah where i talked about how i watch tv sometimes at two two x speed and people absolutely hated that video i'm like oh my god you are what's wrong with productivity this is <laughs> culture it's gone toxic, blah, blah, blah. oh my god um and that was kind of a shit post on my part like i literally just turned the camera on no preparation no scripting no planning and just talked mm-hmm. and i think it was probably a bad idea i think i didn't do justice to that topic mm-hmm. i think had i laid the case out as to why watching tv at 2x speed is the best thing ever okay more people would have come around to it rather than doing it in a deliberately inflammatory way that i knew would get a response so oh. it's, it's that thing of not because i think the, the bigger a youtube channel gets the more pressure you feel to put out a certain type of content um but also you then have to kind of fight against that instinct and also be okay with experimenting so you know, I'm okay with experimenting. Some stuff works, some stuff doesn't. And I try not to let it affect me too much. Nice. Yeah, and just talking about how it affects you, have you, like, felt like you've scrutinized your personal life more? Or do you feel like it's not really, effect- like, you kind of keep the box separate with YouTube and personal life? I feel like I'm kind of weird and that I don't really feel any need to have a separation. Um, at university okay. as well, I was always happy to have my room unlocked at all times. People can walk in whenever. My mum would be like, but what about your privacy? I'll be like, honestly, I, I, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and so I'm very happy with sharing lots of personal details online, uh, provided, you know, they're not related to someone else who is uncomfortable with that thing. Nice. Okay. Yeah. And this like chill out approach, I'll be honest, I feel like I need to implement it in my own life because I feel like I'm a very serious person. And it's like, you kind of talked about it. Was it like developed because you learned these concepts and I'm not saying growth mindset necessarily means you have to be chill, but do you feel like it kind of coincided or played a big role? Um, I don't know. I think I was just always kind of wired that way where I just didn't really care about most things. And yeah, someone's in my room. I'm doing my thing. They're doing this. Who cares? Yeah. Not a big deal. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of the same online. Like I think the more, you, the more online you are, the more you appreciate that actually authenticity and vulnerability is kind of what people are looking for. Um, and I always appreciate it when I watch people or read people who are, there's a, there's a quote from some famous writer maybe Stephen King, who says that good writing is when you um, cut into your forearm and bleed onto the page uh, because people want to see vulnerability in good writing. And Mm. I think people also want to see vulnerability in good kind of video content. Um, Yeah, so I I kind of view it as a plus, like the more open I can be about the fact that I'm just always thinking about marriage or that I'm single or that I struggle with girls or or things (laughs) like that, then it's just kind of funny. And I feel like it makes more of a connection with the audience. Then if I said, guys, you know, here is 10 productivity tips and I'm not going to talk about my personal life at all. Yeah, yeah I guess it makes you more relatable because they can see like you're being open with them. It just immediately makes them warm to you a little bit more. That's what I hope it would be the case. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess some people think it's a bit much, which is fine. 
Um, sure. I try and have as, as little of a difference in my online self and my real life self as possible. I think that's a great thing though, because to be honest, you know, when you meet people and you're like, I wasn't expecting that kind of thing. And I feel like some people are disappointed when they meet someone that they aren't who they think they were. But even now talking to you, like you seem the exact same person as you are like on your videos. And I think that's a testament really to like who you are as an individual, like regardless of the logistics, the numbers or anything, you've kind of remained the same. And I just want to like acknowledge you for that and respect <laughs> you for your consist consistency. Yeah. I try, but, I try not to swear on my videos. We edit, we edit all those out. No oh, worries. Very nice. No worries. <laughs> but um, yeah, in terms of like, because you've reached that milestone, do you feel like you have anything um, upcoming or like more impact you want to like do in terms of like video content? Is there anything you're branching out to? I know you're using the second brain and being a mentor for that, which is really awesome. But is there anything else you want to speak to or anything you've got up upcoming? Not really. Just making more videos and having fun while doing it. And don't think too hard about any outcomes. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. The um, takes care of itself, as they say. Yeah, and you know, we on our podcast, we've covered quite a few topics now. Um, we're wondering if we could just shoot some like quick fire things at you, sure. and you give yeah. us some like little responses back to it. So, um, yeah, the first topic we ever covered was about self doubt and steps that you taken to help the impacts. And I saw you recently uploaded a short video on it as well. Um, is there anything you think could be helpful that people might not have considered? Uh, probably the people, probably not the people wouldn't have considered, but just my theory is that self-doubt stems from a reliance on outcomes uh, and, and a fixation on outcomes. Whereas really if all you care about is the process, then there's no such thing as self-doubt. Damn, that's a very nice, good look at it. Um, and another thing uh, Manny and I have discussed is about resolving arguments and conflicts. Is there any techniques that you personally employ to help against this? Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is something I was talking to my mum about the other day. Uh, <laughs> One, one technique that I've seen uh, people use is, you know, you ask the other person, how strongly do you feel about this on a scale of one to 10? And then you say, how strongly do you feel about it? And whoever feels stronger about it, you just kind of go with it. If both parties feel very strongly about it, then at that point, you start having a chat about it and figure out kind of what's going on. But oh. otherwise, you know, I don't feel strongly about most things. Therefore, I will let it go. Yeah. And like, I feel like it's something that you mentioned earlier, uh, we've done confidence as an episode and you kind of said that approach of not really like caring too much. I'm not saying that people like have to employ the same methods that you have, but what do you think has helped your confidence? In fact, maybe vulnerability on your videos might be a reason why you're more confident now. Can you mm. speak to that? Yeah, confidence is another one of those weird ones. Uh, okay. Yeah, definitely. I think I've definitely become more confident over time. And I think a big part of that yeah, so, so like when I was like 16, I used to like read books about how to become more confident. I used to kind of watch videos about it and download these PDFs. And um, yeah, I, I, it, it was a thing that I knew that I was, was deficient in and that I actively tried to improve. Another thing I did was that I became a close-up magician. I'd go around with a deck of cards at school and show people magic tricks. And that helped <laughs> boost my confidence. I used to perform at like a local hospice to help boost my medical application as well. Then at university, I would perform at parties and balls, even though that was, that was really, really scary. So I think on the confidence front, I kind of recognized that when I was in school, I was a bit shy and I did not want to be that way. And so I took steps to change that. Yeah. And like this whole process, I feel like with you, you've kind of like worked out what you wanted to be and you've kind of reverse engineered it where you've taken the steps because you looked at your life and you're like, you know what? I don't really want to be in that place. So I don't want to be in that state. Um, again, like even though you've kind of spoken about it a bit, do you feel like it's been, how important do you feel like that mindset has been for you? Oh yeah. I'm just big on like, yeah, you know, I, 
I think the phrase be yourself is a complete myth. Uh, I think that choosing yourself is far better. And, you know, while my default self was a bit shy and a bit introverted, I wanted to become not that way. And so I became not that way. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it just seems like everyone has a choice. And I'm glad you mentioned that because the truth is with lots of people, I feel like they try to make decisions and feel like they're stuck somewhere or they don't have a choice. But it's like with your approach, I feel like you've always kind of made it very clear that you have the choice to do something or to not do something. And I think that's super important. And I'm glad you've kind of spoken about that. But going on to a different topic, because your videos have also kind of deviated as well. What's your perspective on video games and like esports in today's world? Um, I mean, yeah, it's fine if you enjoy it. <laughs> it's again, it, it comes down to what do you want out of life? If you want to you know, enjoy yourself, then play video games. If you want to do other things, then don't. Uh, I think anything when it infringes on like, essentially I'm just big on people doing whatever the hell they want. Um, <laughs> I think the problem with video games yeah. is that people play them even when they don't want to kind of like drugs. You take drugs even when you know you don't want to. Yeah. Um, and so as long as you're not in that boat, then yeah, do what you want. <laughs> True, yeah. I, I found myself like playing Tekken the other day and I was just getting so frustrated at the game because I kept losing and losing and losing. And I was like, I'm not even enjoying it at this point, but I yeah. still want to play because I know I'm going to, I think I'm going to get that win. And I didn't even, and I ended up playing the game and just getting more and more annoyed. Yeah. I feel like it's a dangerous, it's a dangerous thing. It's a slippery slope, to be honest. Do you ever find yourself like getting annoyed at video games or do you stay away from video games because of that or? Well, sure. I don't really play video games. I, I, I bought a PS4 at the start of lockdown just because all the boys were playing Warzone. I was like, I want to <laughs> yeah, yeah, hang yeah. out with the boys. And I started playing a bit of Last of Us, a bit of Horizon, mm -hmm. kind of looking into maybe getting a TV for the flat so that I can... Because there are times where I'm sitting on the sofa just scrolling through Instagram thinking, you know, if I had a TV and a, a controller in my hand right now, I'd probably be playing PlayStation and I'd be having more fun than yeah. scrolling through Instagram. Uh, <laughs> but it's not something I, I, I do very often. Yeah, I remember the days of Call of Duty lobbies and everyone just sh screaming abuse at each other and stuff like that. Sometimes yeah. it can be a force of bad, but, you know, nowadays I've got games like Warzone where you can just hop on with your boys and tune out and just enjoy being social whilst still being socially distanced adequately. Yeah. No, very good. <laughs> <laughs> stay safe, everyone. Stay safe, stay safe. Um, but yeah, I think it would kind of be a miss if we don't talk about your revision for the USM LE test and like, how that's going. Oh um, yeah, I, I, I can't be asked anymore. What's the plan? Oh, you're just not doing it now. <laughs> nah. CBA, too much effort. Uh, to, to, be honest, to be honest, that's that, I'm glad that you like you kind of said something. The thing is with everyone, I feel like when they do something, they have to stick by it. And one of our friends was talking about this, and he's like, "You can just not stick by it. Like no one's like it's kind of like the spotlight effect. No one actually really cares. Like you might get a few comments on your videos, but then ultimately, mate, you're just gonna be in Cambridge having a good time. Yeah, man, I'm a quitter. Totally happy with being a quitter. There is no value in sticking to a vision you had in the past. Yeah, exactly. It's no, yeah. no point just making yourself unhappy because you feel like you're obligated to complete yeah. something. I know that's, that's something that I just, I know a lot of people find it difficult to, you know, get breakthrough from that. I'm very lucky that if I feel like it's not benefiting me anymore, I won't feel yeah. any obligation because there's no point. Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, another topic we've covered in our podcast about empowerment. Quite a, for us, it was quite an intimidating word but we tried to break it down in our podcast, but like, you know, how much I feel more empowered person. I know it's a bit of a broad topic, a bit of a weird one. Is there anything you talk about how to feel more empowered as a person? I don't know. I don't know what that means. What do you mean by empowered? I mean, like um, feeling like you're taking control of the situation, taking control of maybe your rights and 
uh, for example, men's empowerment for us was being able to be vulnerable, being able to be emotion, emotional and stuff like that. And female empowerment was breaking free of traditionally male stigmas that, as an evidence for success. Hmm. Now, is anything you've used to that or is it a bit of a something you haven't really considered? I've never quite considered the empowerment thing. I suppose in a way, comfort with, with, with vulnerability is a form of empowerment. Um, yeah. But that usually sort of in my experience has come from just not caring what other people think, <laughs> which in a way is, is, is his own form of empowerment. It's true. Um, I, I'm also really into like the whole stoicism stuff of, you know, the only two things we can control are our own thoughts and our actions. Therefore, everything else is outside of our control. Therefore, we should spend absolutely no time at all worrying about it. Um, so I'm a strong believer in that. And I think that's a, an empowering thought. Yeah, that's, a, that's perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I just one just going like back and forth about just general questions. I do. I find it kind of weird, like how people ask you about productivity apps. Obviously, obviously, you've answered so many times. But do you not think to yourself like it's not really the app. It's kind of about the individual. Like, I feel like, yes, people can build systems. Yes, they can do many things. But ultimately, it's just dependent on what the person decides to do to like actually take those actions and those steps. Yeah, I think apps are just tools. Some tools are useful, some tools are even less useful in certain <laughs> circumstances. I think partly app is somewhat important because if you have the right app, it can encourage you to think in the right ways. So for example, if, when you, if you have never heard of a Kanban board before and you suddenly start using Trello, suddenly you realize, oh, hang on, you know, I can just take something and move it in these different boxes. So if I'm making a video, it starts off as an idea and then it becomes a draft, then it becomes editing, then it becomes ready to film, then it becomes in the editing bay, then it's ready to publish. And oh, I, it, it kind of encourages you to think in a workflow fashion, which is just like a good way to think um, when you're trying to build systems. But beyond that, I don't think apps matter really at all. Um, but I can, I, I understand the <laughs> uh, productivity porn, kind of the reliance on, oh, <laughs> what's the next app? I True. fall into it just like anyone else. Yeah, definitely. The, the trap of that. Um, I was going to ask as well, actually, in terms of the content you put out and the videos you make, is there like loads of videos that you start producing, you start making, and then you realize, actually, this isn't going too great, and you just call it quits on the video, or do you try and like leave it for a late date? Do you stick with it? Like, What's the approach for videos you're not sure about? Yeah, I don't usually, like once I sit down to film, then I'll, I'll film the video. Okay. Uh, but we've got like 138 videos currently in the Notion database, which are in wow. various stages of sort of... Um, Wow. It's like, yeah, they're all kind of on the slow burner. Um, so I just add to them over time. And then, you know, at the start of the month, I'd be like, oh, what videos do we want to put out this month? Cool. Let's look through the list of 138 and pick stuff and then elaborate on it and then film it that month. And it's become quite a systematic, efficient process. Um, so I'm, actually, I'm working on like a course about that because I think it's something a lot of other YouTubers slash bloggers and stuff might be able to get some tips from. Yeah, and like, I feel like something important that you said earlier about like not being original. Um, I think because people say to be the best, you want to emulate the best. Uh, you did mention Casey Neistat, but like that kind of content remixing, who do you feel like you, you kind of like feel like taking inspiration from and decide, you know what, Are they, they're, they're doing something quite good, but I feel like I can add to that. And I think that's the most important thing Like you can add to it. You're not just copying it and just pasting it on your side. Oh, I think I'm a pure copycat. I'm a pure, I try, I try to be a, pu a pure copycat of Peter McKinnon uh, in the early stages. Uh, I just love him. He's amazing. Um, and I get inspiration from other people like Matt Giavella, Thomas Frank, other kind of productivity type people. But it's kind of, kind of Peter McKinnon is the person who I try and embody when, I'm, when I was starting YouTube. So he's always the, been the inspiration. 
Yeah, and also just to add to that, obviously these people you mentioned, Thomas Frank, Matt Diavella, um, some of them actually you've had on their uh, episodes, uh, sorry, you've had like features on with their videos. Mm. How does it feel to have like your idols now, somewhat your mates, like you can just probably chill if you just gave them like a message or something? I think idol is a strong word, but it feels pretty cool to be friends with these other people. And <laughs> I, th- I think uh, even the person I, I, I most idolize is like, you know, Tim Ferriss. But even then, if I were to be friends with Tim Ferriss, I'd be like, oh, cool. Uh, like, I, d- I don't think it's healthy to <laughs> practice idolatry in that sense. Okay. But yeah, it's pretty cool to be friends with cool people. Nice. Um, you know, as you know, the time comes to a close for this podcast, then obviously we've covered so many things. Um, are there any like takeaways you'd like to give to people listening or anything like that? You'd like to, you know, send out a message to obviously, you know, that you is your stick, you, you know, is your shtick, what you stick with. Yeah, my whole, my whole thing is just, you know, I really think hard about what game are you playing? You know, are you playing the game of maximizing your exam results? Are you sure that's a game you want to be playing? Are you, maybe, are you, are you sure it's not a game that worked for you when you were in school, but now you're at university? You're just for kind of following the old school rules of the game, even though actually the game has changed. Um, you know, think, think about it. And as long as you're intentional about the stuff you're doing, then yeah, you're winning at life. Sounds good. Awesome. So yeah, just as we come to a close, is there like any links you wish for us to share on like on our platform and the people you want to check out to know more about you? Um, nah, I'm easy. Uh, you can <laughs> my name on YouTube and you'll find my channel. Uh, but yeah, fair enough. I have a website, Abdul. podcast, a newsletter. You can you can check those things out if they if they interest you. Anyone who's listening. Oh, nice. Well, you know, any, oh, and we just you know look for Ali's name in in Google. You should find him. And or yeah. for us. You know the podcast description you'll find our links and stuff like that the dmc podcast the dmc pod um yeah i think that's it um thank you ali for joining us great thanks for having me it's been, been great to get your input and stuff very insightful enjoy your pizza express, express. and yeah. i will enjoy a nice glass of water um thanks so much for being here cheers guys see you later Bye bye